Welcome to the NM Talks Healthcare Podcast. On this podcast, you'll find thought-provoking insight into critical topics surrounding the healthcare industry. Each episode features Nelson Mullins healthcare attorneys and special guests who offer a variety of experience in healthcare. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Nelson Mullins Talks Healthcare Podcast. My name is Denise Gunter and I'm an antitrust partner here at Nelson Mullins and I'm joined by my partner, Carrie Hanger, in today's discussion of the FTC's proposed prohibition of non-competes and how this proposed rule might impact employers in healthcare. Carrie, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, Denise, I think big concern with non-competes is that they're a regular facet of physician recruiting agreements in part because of the large financial investment often made in recruiting physicians. Um, Can you give us some background on why you think non-competes are so important in the healthcare space? Sure. Um, Yeah, you're exactly correct, Carrie. I mean, they're a long-standing feature of physician recruitment, and you see it with uh, non-physician executives as well. And healthcare is not unique, obviously, in that respect, because you often see non-competes when you're talking about um, employees who are uh, hard to recruit and highly trained, highly educated, and often very highly compensated individuals. Uh, I think the FTC's primary interests sprang out of lower wage workers, perhaps um, not as highly educated as physician employees, but nonetheless, the way this proposed uh, rule is written, it would sweep very broadly. Uh, We'll talk about an exception uh, in a little while about uh, not-for-profit systems, but in a general sense, you know, organizations that employ physicians would be subject to uh, this potential rule if it were enacted. So uh, this really changes the dynamic that has been uh, developed in the healthcare industry for, you know, decades upon decades. And Prior to the FTC issuing this proposed rule, how were non-competes addressed? Because it's not as though nobody has been taking any interest in non-competes until now. Exactly. Uh, You know, state law is very well developed uh, in the area of non-competes. There are a handful of states, California being one of them, that uh, more or less Blanket pro had blanket prohibitions on non-competes, but the vast majority of the uh, other states have uh, their own version of uh, what is acceptable and what's not acceptable as far as non-compete agreements. Some are limited in particular industries. Some are limited uh, based on employee compensation, but. Largely, this has been left uh, for the states to decide. So now we see the FTC um, coming in and uh, in a, uh, proposing to enact what would be, with a rather narrow uh, exception, a blanket prohibition against non-competes in this country, regardless of the type of employee, regardless of the compensation, uh, without any of the contextual factors like recruitment, education, compensation, that often drive the decision for employers to seek non-compete agreements. 
And Denise, how have most states generally treated non-competes in the past when, when states are looking at whether a non-compete should be upheld or should be found unenforceable? What have they kind of considered when doing that? So typically, most states will look at the time, uh, the length of time that the covenant is at issue, how many years are we talking about, uh, where is the covenant? Is the covenant covering, covering the entire country? Is it limited to a particular state, a particular area or city within a state? And it will also look at the prohibited activity. Is it, for example, uh, in the case of physicians, prohibiting the physician from the practice of medicine entirely, or is it only prohibiting the physician from the practice of medicine in a particular specialty? And the touchstone really with that has been how reasonable it is versus the need for the, the restriction and the harm the restriction may cause, hasn't it? That's right. And so, again, that has typically been left to the states and to private litigants to work out those issues, however they may. And again, some states have taken the position that they will uh, not allow non-competes either at all, or they only allow them in certain circumstances. But now we see the FTC uh, coming in to uh, basically, again, with a pretty narrow exception, we'll talk about um, just outlaw them entirely. And so that, you know, leads me to ask you, Carrie, can you um, tell us a little bit more about what exactly this rule entails? Certainly. Um, the FTC issued a proposed non-compete rule that was published in the Federal Register on January 5th of this year. Um, it followed President Biden's July 2021 executive order on promoting competition in the American economy, which encouraged the FTC to look critically at non-competes and to consider limiting or banning them. And it also follows flurry of um, statements that suggest that non-competes were to be disfavored by the FTC. And what the proposed rule does is it says that it is an unfair method of competition and a violation of Section 5 of the FTC Act for an employer, one, to enter or attempt to enter into a non-compete clause with a worker, two, to maintain an existing non-compete clause, so to continue a non-compete that they've already negotiated and that's already been entered, and then three, um, in certain circumstances to represent to the worker that they're under a non-compete clause. The, in the proposed in comments to the rule, the FTC said that it is seeking to ensure competitive policy is aligned with the current economic evidence that, of the consequences of non-compete clauses and the facts sheet um, states a litany of ways that the FTC believes that non-compete clauses harm workers and harm competition. What's interesting, though, is that the FTC does not discuss in the rule or seem to take into account the benefits to competition and the need for non-competes, such as in situations with uh, hospitals and recruiting physicians or protecting trade secrets and just generally making sure that Healthcare providers, for example, if they make an investment to recruit someone that they actually are able to see a return on that investment. Um, Denise, what are some of the limitations on the proposed rule? I know you've talked about this 
or mentioned it a little bit already. So I think uh, one of the uh, things that are going to be most interesting to our listeners is that is whether or not this rule applies to not-for-profit institutions, because this rule uh, comes up under what's called Section 5 of the FTC Act, which is a provision of the law which allows the FTC to challenge unfair and deceptive acts and practices. This is different from other antitrust statutes, such as Section 1 of the Sherman Act, which will which prohibits um, conspiracies and restraint of trade. But Section 5 of the FTC Act has been held not to apply to not-for-profit uh, institutions. It's not judged simply on whether or not you have a tax-exempt status from the IRS. It talks about how you're actually uh, operating, which for the vast majority of our not-for-profit hospitals in this country is not a difficult test to meet because they're clearly acting, you know, in a in a charitable fashion, have a charitable mission. So, you know, I think the general thinking on all of this is that not-for-profit hospitals are not going to be subject to this rule. That doesn't mean, however, that the FTC has no jurisdiction at all. Uh, the FTC just has to challenge uh, non-competes it finds offensive, even with not-for-profit hospitals in a different way, such as under Section 1 of the Sherman Act. The other thing that I would note is that um, the rule would not prohibit other types of agreements that employers sometimes have with employees like agreements, non-disclosure agreements, for example, or agreements to protect an employer's trade secrets. Uh, that is not part of this proposed rule. However, I will note that the FTC has cautioned that if an employer were to draft a non-disclosure agreement in such a way that it would essentially function as a non-compete and stop a departing employee from practicing her profession, uh, that might be considered a non-compete. That's created a lot of consternation because right now there are no guidelines on how might I tell if my non-disclosure agreement is really functioning as a non-compete. I don't have a bright line rule um, from the FTC. So, you know, there's a, uh, a tension there that is not entirely resolved uh, by the text of the rule. I'm sure we're going to see in the comments that will be um, uh, coming out in April a lot of discussion about this. Yeah, and speaking of the comments, it's important to note that right now this is a proposed rule. It is not in effect. And the comments originally were due March 20th, but they've been extended to April 19th. We expect that there will be a lot of comments um, submitted given the attention that this rule, proposed rule has received and the impact that it could have on whole wide variety of sectors. Um, but right now, you know, there's no immediate impact in that nothing has changed at the moment. And even if the rule does end up going into effect the way it's written now, we suspect that there will be a lot of litigation over this to determine what the scope is. So at the, the current time, it's impossible to predict, number one, 
when this rule, proposed rule, would actually go into effect. Um, it's likely to be <laughs> at least a couple of years, if not much longer. Um, and there's no real immediate impact other than raising attention um, and making non-competes subject to more scrutiny. And while the proposed rule does not create a private right of action, it could bring more attention to non-competes from the plaintiff's bar. Um, I could certainly see where a plaintiff's lawyer could say, well, this non-compete, you know, is suspect and the FTC has said that non-competes are anti-competitive and violate the Section 5 of the FTC Act. Um, in light of that, Denise, what do you recommend that employers in the healthcare field do um, and how should they plan to deal with any fallout from the proposed and potentially final rule? That's a great question. And I think there are a few things that employers in the healthcare field, and this would include not-for-profit hospitals as well, because even though Section 5 of the FTC Act would not apply to the not-for-profits, uh, challenges can still be made both through the FTC and private uh, parties under Section 1 of the Sherman Act. So um, I think it's prudent for all healthcare employers to use this opportunity now uh, to take a look at the agreements that they have. Um, is there anything about their existing uh, employment agreements that may contain restrictive covenants like non-disclosure agreements, uh, no solicitation agreements, or uh, covenants not to compete. Is there anything about them that may uh, be cause for concern and when the next opportunity comes up to uh, renew an employment agreement, for example, might it be prudent to uh, examine some of those provisions. Uh, that's not to say that any particular agreement has a problem in it. It's simply to say this could be an opportunity to take a look and just see if uh, refinements are necessary. The other thing I would encourage uh, employers to do if this is a topic of concern is to file comments. Uh, there are literally thousands of comments pending uh, out there right now. I think the bulk of them have been uh, very brief comments from what I can see, uh, many from employees uh, expressing opinions about non-competes. Um, and I expect that we'll start to see very substantive comments filed by employers in the not too distant future, again, with the deadline of April 19th coming. And so I think it's important that uh, employers file uh, comments and make sure their voices are heard because this may be the only opportunity. I, I think Carrie's absolutely correct in the assumption that it's going to be a long time before this rule is fully baked. Uh, there will be litigation. It, I doubt will uh, come out of, of, of the rulemaking process in exactly the same form in which it exists today. But I do think that it's likely some form of this rule will be adopted at some point. Um, so again, speaking up now and using the rulemaking process to express opinions 
uh, is important because this rule, as we've discussed, it is a sledgehammer. And so thinking more uh, specifically in terms of whether a surgical approach, either by industry, by compensation level, or by some other factor, is uh, worthy of consideration, now is the time to make that uh, opinion known. Um, so, you know, again, I think there are a few things such as reviewing your agreements, um, filing comments, um, all good practices to take now and obviously keep a watchful eye on, on what's going on. Thank you, Denise, and thank you for joining us in this discussion of the FTC's proposed rule prohibiting non-competes. We look forward to having you join us on the next episode of NM Talks Healthcare.